good to be back. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So we finished talking about a transition from the Ohavta Esa Shemokecha, from the first paragraph of Shema, to Vahayaim Shemoa, which is the second paragraph of Shema, and we focused on two main things. One was the move from the from the Torah addressing the person as the individual versus in the second paragraph addressing the community as a group or perhaps addressing the individual as a member of the group. Um, we haven't like so fully explored that aspect, but there it is. And the other major aspect was the first paragraph of Shema as, as our avoda of prayer in our minds and expressing that through perfection of our machshava, of our thought. And in the second paragraph, which is Kabbalah Sarva Onesh, accepting our relationship with Hashem, ac- accepting upon ourselves that it is, the reality is that it is one of reward and consequence, that um, that, that therefore is tied to our actions and the frustration, perhaps, of not being able to get them perfect and the, the acceptance of the fact that they will not be perfect. So Kabbalah Sar Ve'onish includes within it, and I think this is where we ended last time, that this acceptance of the reality, and not just acceptance as in, oh, well, I guess I better learn to live with it because that's how it is, but actually embracing a reality of Sar Ve'onish, that Hashem rewards us for the good for the choices that are good that we make, and there are consequences or punishments or fixings or healings, whatever you want to call them. There are processes that come out of the negative choices that we make, <coughs> that we we choose that upon ourselves. And I think that the point that we ended with last time was the realization, why would why would you choose that? Why, why would, meaning... We talked about Hashem is our king in the first paragraph, and yet Kabbalah's Omach Hashemayim is saying, I vote for you. <laughs> I choose you to be my king. If I had the choice, I know I don't, but if I had the choice, I would be choosing you. Then where, where would we be coming from to be able to say, if we had the choice, we would choose that there should be such a thing as Sechar V'Onesh. Sechar, yeah, okay. Reward, <laughs> yes, we can see that. But why would we ever choose that there should be such a thing as Onesh? You know, which is translated as, as punishment, but it's a terrible word, punishment, because punishment in English has a connotation that it's vindictive. And we don't see that. What we see with onesh, the idea of onesh is kapara. Kapara is fixing, cleansing, removing the damage that we've caused. There is a damage that we cause with our sins, and that damage, you could almost think of it as, you know, you, you twist the cord and you twist it and you twist it, it's going to untwist itself. That's the kapara. It will untwist itself. And that may not be so comfortable, but what you end up with is you get back to perfection. And what we said was that that's something we could choose. We could, we could realize that since our actions, by definition, will not be perfect, they will be bounded by the finite. They will be bounded by being in the world. And therefore, our actions will have imperfections, whatever we do. <coughs> we might be able to achieve moments of perfection in thought, but not in deed. Therefore, the path to perfection in deed, in action, is through correction. 
the, we, it, there will be mistakes. But the correction <laughs> of those mistakes actually allows us to get to a place of perfection. This, again, helps us understand the power of teshuva, to, to bring about that correction even without going through the yisurim. It's a, it's a self-inflicted kapara, but without the suffering. I mean, there is a degree of suffering when you face the fact, you know, head on of what you've done wrong. <laughs> it's sitting around suffering. But the, the point of tshuva is not suffering. The point of tshuva is correction and growth and moving on to a higher level. So there is that, that hope that comes from the possibility of kapara that we can embrace. Even as we say, lo you know, please Hashem, bring me kapara, but not through suffering. We don't ask to suffer. Okay. So now I wanted to start going through this paragraph of Shema with the word, you know, word by word or phrase by phrase. It shall be if listen, you shall listen, El to my commandments, Asher Anochi Mitzave Esrem Hayom, which Anochi, and we've talked about the word Anochi before, it's I, but it's I in the full sense of the I, as opposed to Ani, which is me, as opposed to anybody else. Anochi is referencing the self as the definition of who that self is. So when Hashem says, Anochi, Hashem Lokecha, it's a very big Anochi, right? That's the beginning of the Ten Commandments. That's a big, that's like an encompassing of the entire Torah, the entire world in that Anochi. Asher Anochi mitzaveh eschem hayom, which I am commanding to you, plural, today. That's the Anochi who's speaking. That is Hashem and Hashem's Anochi speaking. La'ahava, to love as Hashem Elokechem, Hashem, your God. Ula'avdo, and to serve Him, Bechol Levavchem, Uvechol Nafshechem. To serve Him with all of your, you plural, your hearts, Uvechol Nafshechem, and all of your souls. Vehaya im Shamoatishmeu. If you will listen. So already here we see the beginning of why there's reward and punishment. Because the opening has been left that you might listen and you might not. So already, already we have this. Uh, the minute you have the word im, now, now it's up for discussion. And that is also the opening of free will. I have not read the book yet. But yesterday we heard Rabbi Tatz, and he had a new book. I think he said it was published this week, right? It's like a brand new book on free will. In English. In English. I'm very excited. You have to get it. You have to get it. On free will? So maybe that's the basis of the book? Not on free will, but he's been releasing some... be awesome also. But anyway, it's a book on free will. I'm not the expert in free will. My notes are incomplete. Okay. So 
if you will listen. Tagomunculus translates this as imkaba sakabon, if you will accept, kabel to receive, if you will receive, be open to that aspect rather than put now in relation to how we've talked about free will and the shefa in the in the last paragraph, but quite a long time ago in the last paragraph, right about trying to become more perfect receivers of Hashem and his influence rather than pushing out, which would be our will, our ratzon, being mashpia, influencing. The main avoda of Shema is transcending our ratzon or, in fact, redefining our ratzon as being his ratzon, which requires receiving. So this is im shamo atishmu, if you will receive, if you hear, right? And you remember uh, the Pachad Yitzchak, Rav Hutner, had this, and we talked about it on the word Shema Yisrael, but he talked about how listening, how the ear is, of all the senses, it's the sense that is purely receptive. We don't convey anything out into the world with our ears much. I do have a cousin who can wiggle his ears, but it's generally speaking, you know, especially if you talk about the auditory canal, there's not really much outgoing data, whereas with eyes and with the mouth and with the nose, meaning these other aspects of the senses are not only sensing, but they're also able to convey. They're able to interact with the world in a reaching out way. Listening is building on the reception. Okay, and this is, I, I believe, the, that's the implication of that targumonculus, if you will receive. If you will receive. So I want to go to Rav Schwab. So I, didn't, um, I didn't photocopy it in, but fortunately I put the reference in. So we can take it straight from the safer, which is much easier for me this time and much harder the next time around. Okay. If you will listen to the commandments and serve Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, then Hashem will send rain in its time. It says in Masechus Brachos, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, What is this time out? I actually should have gone back and taken out the brachos, but that's okay. What is this talking about? This is referring let me let me take a step back. He says there's a place in the Torah that is referring to the time when the Jewish people are doing Ritzono Shel Makom. God's will, his Ratzon. When that happens, melach, their work is done by others. When the Jews are fulfilling, this as a group, when the Jewish nation is fulfilling Hashem's ratzon, their work will be done by others. As it says, and strangers will come and pasture your flocks and shepherd your flocks. Okay, so you can... You can hire, basically, other people to do the work, and your focus can be on doing Hashem's Ratzon. Bizman she'en Yisrael osin Ratzon And when the Jewish nation is not doing the Ratzon of Hashem, the omnipresent, halachtan nasei sa'yidei atzma, then they have to do their own work. As it says, 
ve'osafto degonecha. You will gather in your grain. <coughs> and we say, hang on, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. <coughs> what do you mean that you will gather in your grain is when we're not doing Hashem's Ratzon? <coughs> Oy. Do you want a sip of water? It's, uh, How can, how, why are you telling us that when you gather in your grain is when you're not doing Hashem's will? Because that, that phrase, that comes from this passage in Akev, which is part of the second paragraph of Shema, where the context is, if you do the mitzvahs that I command you and love Hashem with all your heart and, and serve him with all your heart and all your soul, then I will bring rain in its time, the Yorah and the Malkosh, and you will gather in your grain. That, we, we thought that was the good time. <laughs> we thought that's when we were getting it right. I mean, it sure sounds like that's when you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Why is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai saying that's, that's talking about the time? This, this verse that we're starting in on here, or these two verses, right, are talking about when we're not doing Hashem's Ratzon. That doesn't seem like the way we understood Rahayim Shema. And the Dazakeno of the Balitosos have asked this question. This is very, uh, as it turns out, I mean, you know, you find out it's famous questions that I never heard of. But then when you go start researching Shema, you start seeing that everybody refers back. Rav Tzadok actually referred to this as well. I think we kind of glossed over it at the time because I, I said we're going to come up to that, you know, this idea that it's not the will. Like, how do we understand this statement of Rabbi Shemon Bar Yochai? How can you say that this Parsha, not even this Parsha, because this Parsha talks about the good time and the bad time, but, but this was the good one. So how can he say that this is talking about Israel in the time that they are not doing the will of Hashem? After all, it does say, and if you shall listen to my mitzvahs. And the Tosfos answers over there in brief that, of course, they're doing Hashem's will. They're doing Hashem's ratzon, but not so much. They're not complete tzaddikim. So maybe they're tzaddikim, but not tzaddikim gemurim. V'divrehim tzrichim beyer. This is sort of the words that go to the face you just made. Their words require explanation. <laughs> so like, what kind of, you say, we're not that good. Right? What do you mean we're not that good? And how good do we have to be? And this doesn't sound so bad. It seems that certainly, Nira is like, you know, seems, and Bevadai is absolutely, that the level of Bechira, of free will, is exceedingly great. This is the crowning glory of the person. I'm not going to go into that anymore. We already talked about it quite a lot at the beginning of Shema. This is his distinctive advantage, and uh, this is this is the way in which man stands head and shoulders above all other creations. Aval, but but the higher level than even that, which is already the crowning glory of mankind. He is 
is when a person, through his free will, which is the ultimate expression of self, the ultimate expression of humanity, chooses levater al-koch b'chirasa, chooses to relinquish his free choice. So he uses the choice to choose to give up his free will, to receive upon himself, to accept upon himself. Do you hear how, I mean, he hasn't quoted over here the Targumonkos, but you hear how this is this reception side. To receive upon himself the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Again, this is something we learned from Rav Schwab in a different context already. It's going back to Adam's test. To, until the extent that he feels as atzmo himself, forced to do avodas Hashem, not because God imposed it on him, but because he locked himself into it. He sold himself into that slavery. Now he has to do it. He's committed to it. It is no longer about you. Now, it sounds so extreme, but think about how any good habit is cultivated. You make a choice, you make a plan, you commit to it, and either you work something into it to make it difficult for you to get out, right? You tell your friends that you're exercising every day so that they'll get it right. Or maybe you even schedule to meet up with someone every day, so now it becomes very difficult to cancel, right? You hire a personal trainer, same idea. Why do people do that? We do that because when we can make an intellectual decision ahead of time, not on the spot, we can make a better choice because we're not pulled, right? If every day you had to choose again whether to exercise, then you'll be like me and you won't exercise enough. <laughs> but if you're smart and you say, well, what I want to do is exercise, so I'm going to call a trainer and I'll start in a month every day, then when that time comes around, you're already locked into it. You have chosen not to make that choice from, a new, from scratch. Now, when I put it that way, it sounds like popular uh, behavioral economics, right? It sounds like the book Nudge, which is, like, very popular. It doesn't sound like anything so extreme. In this light, on the one hand, it's, it, it is an extreme. It is the ultimate place we're aiming for with our free choice. And on the other hand, popular science has come to realize this is the way to get stuff done. Lock yourself in. Make the choice. That is the highest level of real choosing, is choosing to set yourself up so that you no longer have a choice. And this is what Chazal have taught us in Masechah Savodazara. <coughs> Moshe said to the Jewish people, Kfuyetova bnei Kfuyetova, you are ingrates, the children of ingrates, right? Those who do not appreciate what good has been done for them. Ungrateful people. Why are they ungrateful? Because at the time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Jewish people, When Hashem said, Who will give in order that your hearts will be with me, to, to have awe of me, and to guard my mitzvahs all the days. 
You know what you should have said? You should have said, Tina talk, you give it. What? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear that the answer to that question is, oh, if only, like who will ensure that you will be loyal to me? The answer should be, we will. We promise. And he says, no, you should have said, you do it. Because we realize that really we don't have the power. In the end, it's all up to you. So you should have turned it right back on God and said, you make us good. You make sure we'll be good. Shahai said, he's like filing a complaint against the Jewish people. They should have asked of Hashem that he give them a heart that is in awe of him, that will guard all the mitzvahs all the days without them having to choose constantly. This is interesting because the reason we have to constantly make the choice and battle that Yetzirah that comes up on the spot, the reason for that is because we ate from the Yetzirah in the end, right? Mm -hmm. So I suppose it's the logical outcome of I'm going to choose, which is, okay, you're going to choose. Yeah, you're going to choose forever and ever, or at least for a really long time, a lot of thousands of years. Oh, you don't want to... Sorry. I'm sorry. Viroim anu. So we see. Shizohi tachlis avodas Hashem. This is the purpose of avodas Hashem. Now, we could understand that because in the context of saying that we ate from the Eitz Hadas and we chose to have the Eitz Hadas internalized, which means we chose, we had Bechira. Hashem gave us Bechira. Adam had Bechira before he ate from the tree. But the battle of the Bechira, the difficulty of the Bechira is self-inflicted. So it makes sense that the purpose of Avodah Hashem is to achieve and to reach a state with our free will to feeling forced to do the Avodah. Force is the wrong word. Compelled. We should feel like well, I'm really tired. Well, I didn't have in my riff. I should get up and have in my riff. Yeah, but I really want to. There's no point in lying here, arguing with myself about davening Maruv, because I know I have to daven Maruv, so I'm going to get up in the end anyway. So just get up. I feel compelled. Sorry? Cut to the chase. Exactly. Save time on all the back and forth. Don't have to negotiate with yourself, because in the end, you know, you're obligated to the mitzvahs. You're going to do them. Not only with the mitzvahs, but also with our awe of Hashem. So in the first parsha of Kriyashma, we have been commanded, You shall love Hashem your God with all your heart and all your soul. And Chazal have explained, Even if he takes your soul. And over there we're also commanded to learn Torah and to wear tefillin and to hang mezuzahs on our doors. So 
to the extent that when people try and get us to to give up our religion and our beliefs, a person has to be willing to give up his soul for them. The examples of Talmud Torah, Tefillin, and Mezuzah, it's not because you have to be uh, Yahari Goyava for a Mezuzah, but for the principle of the Mezuzah, yeah. Right, it's for the ideas that they're contained. These are the concepts, that the learning of the Torah, the Tefillin, the Mezuzah, these are the bonds to Hashem for which we would give up our lives, not for the specific mitzvahs themselves per se. Although we, we brought examples in each of those where it was, in fact, relevant. We have seen with the greatest of the Tanoim who did serve their creator in this way. For example, Papus ben Yehuda, when it was forbidden by, um, by the Romans to study Torah, to be active, and Rabbi Akiva was gathering people together. Right? We, we talked about that story. And Rabbi Akiva compared the Jewish people without Torah to fish leaving the water. In other words, the Torah is, is an absolute necessity. Therefore, you cannot leave it. So what Schwab said is you can understand that as a mashal for how it feels to feel compelled to do the mitzvahs and love Hashem. You're the fish. Do you have free choice to leave the water? Yes, but I get it. <laughs> but but I, I, I don't really have a choice to leave the water. right? And we've talked about that when we, when Rav, Rav Schwab, I think, elsewhere, where was Rav Schwab, who talked about the fact that malachim have some kind of free choice. It's humans who really have free choice. Malachim have some kind of, maybe not free choice, they have some kind of choice. But since the consequences of everything and the big picture are clear to them, they can see it clearly into the future as well, they don't generally violate doing the will of Hashem because it's clear to them that the consequences are purely negative and will be harmful. In the same way that people do not normally choose to put their hand into a fire, into a bonfire, because it's so obvious that you're hurting yourself that you wouldn't, I mean, yes, you have free choice, and yet, you are compelled, of necessity, you will not make that choice. Because there's no, you wouldn't hurt yourself that way. That's the feeling of being the fish in the water. Yes, I have the free choice to jump out of the water and join the fox on the land, but, but I'm not going to make that choice. That's sort of obvious. That's like not on my list of options, so I may as well cross it off and save myself the hassle. But, you know, when, you, when you're making, like, a, a list of all your different options, as soon as you can rule something out, you take it off the list. It's not on the list of options. Not because you couldn't theoretically choose it, but because you're trying to fo narrow your focus to the realistic options. This is not a realistic option. And then you understand why we went to Egypt. Hashem wanted to understand what we have to rule out. Not being slave to him, but being slave to everything else. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so that we know it. The one who leaves Torah is one who's leaving life. He's jumping out of the water. It's not a realistic option. And we see also in, in Masechah Shabbos about Elisha Baal Knafayim, Elisha, the one with the wings, right? That was the one who was holding the tefillin in his hands, and they 
actually turned into wings of a dove, right? So he was actually endangering himself for the sake of his tefillin. So the Jewish people, we are compelled to keep the mitzvahs. We, it's, it's not an option not to, because otherwise we have no hope of survival. And with the mezuzah, when the legions of the Caesar came to grab Unclus, the son of Clonimus, he looked at the mezuzah and put his hand upon it. He felt it was not an option to separate from the mitzvahs. They're taking him out the door to bring him back to Rome. So he put his hand on the mezuzah. Like, I can't, I can't leave here. That's not a realistic option. Because without the ability to keep Hashem's mitzvahs, what's the point of living? So he put his hand on the mezuzah. Because that's the meaning of the mezuzah. So therefore, when the Torah says, These words that I say to you should be on your heart. You should put on your heart to keep all the Torah. These these words which I'm telling you, put them on your heart as if your life depends upon them. Like that's, that's what's holding your heart safe, are these words of Torah. Like those three mitzvahs. So now... Let's try and appreciate the depth of the words of Chazal, who understood that in Vahaya im Shamoa Tishmeu al Mitzvasai, the parsha starts with the word im, if, if you will keep my mitzvos. In other words, it's not absolute that you'll keep the mitzvos. Now do we understand why they said they were tzaddikim, but not tzaddikim gemurim? Not completely tzaddikim. Why? Because it's describing a state of if you keep the mitzvahs. You're considering the options. Maybe yes, maybe not. When a person feels that not listening is also an option. When a person feels, well, I have to choose. I could choose to do the mitzvahs, to listen, lishmoa. Or, lowly shmoah. I could choose. This also ties in. You hear now to how we talked about shamoah tishma'u. If you listen, then you will listen. Right? This sort of getting on the roll. So here we see the flaw, the, the, the imperfection in the asiyas ritsono shamakom, in doing God's will. Because it's asiyas ritsono, doing his will meaning that his will is your will. That's where the flaw was. And that's what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was referring to. He said, when they do the will of Hashem versus when they don't do the will. No, he didn't say when they do the mitzvos. Because the flaw was, is not, in this case, we're not talking about when they're doing bad things. The flaw is not in the doing of the mitzvos. The flaw is in the will, doing it as a will. Whose will is this? Is this Hashem's will, or is this about my will? My will is to do the mitzvahs. Okay, that's a flaw in Hashem's will, is that I do the mitzvahs. This is the words of the Tosfos. She'osim ritzono. They're doing his will. Aval tzadikim gemurim, but not as complete tzadikim. 
because so long as the tzaddikim are serving Hashem in the aspect of if you will listen, which means it's up to you, you have a choice, they have not reached the total end point and goal of the perfection of a tzaddik, which is feeling that it's, it's not optional. You, you couldn't live like that. So that's not on the, on the list of options to violate Hashem's law. I'm going to skip this next section because we've already covered it. Now I want to move on to another... Another piece from Rav Schwab as well. In Maseches Tainus, Chazal tell us that when it says here, Ula Avdo, and you will serve him, Bechol Levavchem, with all your hearts, Bechol Nafshechem, and with all your souls, Chazal say, Ezohi Avoda Shehi believe. It says you should, you should Avoda, you should do Avoda, you should do service, you should serve him with your hearts. How do you serve God with your heart? What, what, what service is in the heart? Service is usually action. Omer, have a Omer, so tefillah. The answer is that's prayer. That's tefillah. Tefillah is service of Hashem in the heart. And Chazal have told us in Pirkei Avos, don't make your tefillah keva, like routine. Ella, I mean, you should routinely pray, but it shouldn't be like just a routine that you rattle through. Your prayer should be beseeching Rachamim and, and uh, Hashem granting to you what's needed from, from Him. Okay, so serving Hashem with all your heart is tefillah. So what's serving Hashem with all your soul? With all your nefesh. Like, what, what is serving Hashem with all your soul? So, Rav Schwab suggests that. When you're serving Hashem with all your heart, what you're requesting of Hashem, in essence, is the heart. What you're seeking to have as the answer, the reflection back, is, is rachamim v'tachanunim, right? Compassion, basically. When you're serving Hashem with all your nefesh, all your soul. That would mean 
that you're not asking for something for your soul because you're serving Hashem with the soul. Which means sort of in parallel to what we've been saying about the Ratzon. Like it's not my Ratzon, it's your Ratzon. It's not my soul, it's your soul. Which is, by the way, the foundation for a lot of medical halacha. Strange as that sounds, okay? Why? Because a lot of it is based on Rabbi's, Rabbi Akiva's Pesach. And, and before him, there was the woman in Navi, who some say was Serach, the daughter of Asher. There was a woman in Navi who, set, who paskined the first sort of, I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine it was the first case that ever happened, although it could be, but it's certainly the first legal precedent for saying, do you turn someone over to die in order to save the group? Right? This is the question. So does he deserve it? Does he not deserve it? Like by law. Um, but ultimately, you know, we come to Rabbi Akiva, who says, who says his blood is redder than yours? If it comes between your life and someone else's life, you're, you're in the desert, God forbid, with only enough water for one person to make it to civilization again. Do you share the water or do you keep it for yourself? So what's this idea, like, who says his blood is redder than yours? On the other hand, you can't say the opposite. You can't say my blood is redder than his. What does that mean? It means Hashem created me and Hashem created him. And we are only here. Our life is in service of Hashem. Therefore, it is not for me to decide who is more valuable to Hashem in serving him. It's only for Hashem to decide. So if I'm the one who has the water, I am not entitled to just say, I'll give it to somebody else. He's worth more than me. Because then I'm deciding who's worth more. That's not my choice to make. Serving Hashem with your soul, with your nefesh, with the value of your life. Because nefesh, right, that is like the animating aspect of our soul where it combines to our life. It means serving Hashem with all of our life. Now, we saw that in the first part of Shema, where it was, even if he takes your life, right? But here we're being told, Le'avdo, to serve him with all of your life. In the first paragraph, we're told to even die for him. But it's not us who's doing the taking of our lives. It's Hashem taking the life, and we're loving him in it. But how do we serve him with that? Meaning we're not dying. <laughs> in not dying, in living, how do you live in service to Hashem with your soul? And that is when you daven, because we're talking here about, this is the avoda of the heart. Well, the avoda of the heart, sorry. The avoda of the heart was that your heart is there, meaning your taiva, what do you desire? What you desire is Hashem's compassion. What about your soul, your living, your life? Where would that be expressed? That's when your prayers are achvirak, only and solely lamansha yizgadov That God's great name should be amplified and made holy. And that the glory of God should be multiplied throughout the world. There are so many areas to take this, it's hard to know where to start. Right. First of all, 
What that means is that even when you are by yourself in your own house, not, not leading the davening in shul as the chazen, by yourself in your own house, your tefillah can be a, dedicated to making Hashem's name greater in the world and can achieve that even when you're the only person around, which is a remarkable, remarkable concept. But um, that is the goal of what we're trying to achieve. And I think given like the background of what we have done in terms of understanding that we're interacting with the world and with the universe on many different levels, and in each of those levels, recognizing Hashem really, because that's in brachos, we're we are amplifying the recognition that that's Yisgado Yisgado Shmei right? Amplifying recognition, even if it's only our own, in everything physical in the world. That's brachos. And then in Psuke de Zimra, recognizing and amplifying and Hashem as the source of all of human history, all the events that happen, that it's all good and it's all from Him and we praise Him for it. That is making his name great in the world at that level. And now in Shema, again, we can be amplifying and making great Hashem's name in the world of Shema. And it doesn't require anybody else to hear us except us and him. That's, a, that's an astonishing power that we can build that and we can build that inside of our hearts and our souls and our words, even in private. When my whole soul and my whole life is really dedicated to Hashem's will, if I've been able to achieve that even unto death in the first paragraph of Shema, then in the second paragraph of Shema, it's even unto life. Meaning, if you would take my life, not only will I give it to you, and choose that as your will. But if you give me life, I will accept that and choose that as your will. Not because I like to be alive, but because it is your will that I will be alive. There is a huge difference. It's not, oh, thank you for keeping me alive. I mean, that's a good thing to say. If you've gone through a near-death experience, yes, you should be grateful. But what are you grateful for? Are you grateful because you wanted to keep living? Realistically, possibly, yes. But what are we striving for here? We want to strive for greater perfection. A greater perfection is, I want to live because it's your rutzon that I live. Well, what's Hashem's will in the world? His name should become great. His name should become recognized in the world. Therefore, I give up my life, but not into death, into life, to the amplification and recognition of Hashem's greatness and his name in the world, his name meaning his interaction with the world. That's what my life can become dedicated to. That, you know, to, at the risk of suddenly falling into 
like a sense of the mundane by changing languages from something more poetic and spiritual to, let's say, the business side or the practical side. When you create a mission statement for yourself and you're, why am I here in this world? What am I here to do? What, you know? And then you break that down. Well, I have different roles that I play, and there are different values. There's the value of being a good wife, and there's a value of being a good mother, and there's a value of being a teacher, and there's a value of being a student, and a value of being a representative of the Jewish people out in the world, and there's a value of being an employer. And I have all these different values, and they compete. Very often, it's not because I have to choose between what's important and what's not important. I've got to choose between multiple important things. And how do I make these kinds of choices? So if overarching that, you can get to a place where inside of yourself, you actually, it's, it's not enough to, to like say it, it won't help you. But if you can come to a place where, no, I'm living so that through my unique capabilities, my unique talents, whatever this nefesh is he gave me, I accept that as his will with which I'm going to serve him. I will serve him with the whole life. And that becomes then the mediating factor for all the other values. Right? Often the simplest answer is, what's the halach? <laughs> Find out what the halach is, you'll know what God's will was. Okay? Sometimes it's more complicated than that. The easy case, you could just call a rav. Call someone who really knows the halacha. That's God's will. I told you to Okay, but this with all of your soul is really the dedication of life to Hashem, which is another way of saying which maybe also gives us a little bit of insight into why we would say those words for the sake of someone who has passed away. It doesn't refer to them at all. When a person says Kaddish, they don't say anything about the person who passed away. What are they doing? They're standing up in public, because Kaddish is with a minion. A person is getting up in public and doing something, and they're, they're, they would not have done it otherwise. So they are only doing this because of the person who has passed on. So there is a credit to the person who has passed on in this action, because you wouldn't have done it if not for them. And the thing that you do, which will now be applied to the credit of the person who is gone, is you stand up and say, Yiskadal May Hashem's name be amplified and sanctified in the world. You're fulfilling the uvechol nafshechem for someone whose nefesh is not in the physical world to do it. They, they're past that opportunity anymore. They're not in the world of the living. But because you did it, and you only did it because that person is gone, so now, to their credit, they're able to continue this fulfillment of their life purpose, even when they're gone. This is, this is the, the merit of, of, of Kaddish to somebody. In Shemona Esrei, There's an interesting pattern. The pattern is that we have the beginning of Shemona Esrei, which is praise, and we have the bulk in the middle of Shemona Esrei, which is requests and bakashos, right? 
Rachamim v'tachanunim. He uses the same words again, so we'll understand. That's ulavdo b'chol levavchem. Serve Hashem with all your heart is requesting compassion and requesting that he, he continue to, to send to us a flow of sweet blessings in order that we can, we'll be able to fulfill his will. You know, there are things that we're not obligated to do because we simply weren't given the tools to do them. Okay? But, but what we're saying is we want, we want to be provided with those tools, not because we want to feel comfortable in the house. We're, we want to have these tools, the house, the car, the money, the food, the guidance of mentors. I mean, all of this is in there, right? Being back in Eretz Yisrael, we want all of these gifts in order that we could serve you in order that we could fulfill those things. Whether they're in Yane Gashmias, in Yane Ruchnias. And we conclude that whole section of request, and again, with the goal of it being Bechol of Avchem, that it's all for his service, not for our own service, with, because, You hear the prayers of your nation, Israel, with Rachamim, with compassion, with mercy. Blessed are you who hears prayer. And that closes that section. And then you have the end, right? And then you turn around. And you immediately say, Please, God, desire at Ritzay, like you should, you should be pleased with it, you should find desirable the, your nation Israel and their prayers. But we just closed that off already. We like finalized it and capped it by saying, thank you, God, for listening to our prayers. And now we turn around and say, please find them desirable. That should have been maybe before. It, sh- it seems like it should have been before Shomei Atvila. Before, before you thank him. He says it's a little bit odd. Well, he doesn't say odd. He says a little bit one makes you wonder. Yeah, like it just doesn't, now that you've capped off that part of Shomei Atvila, it doesn't seem like the first thing you would do is turn around and basically start addressing the question of whether he's listening to your prayers and desiring them again. The answer is, what is that bracha called, Ritzei Hashem Elokeinu? What's it called? It's called avoda. Right? It's called avoda, service. This is Ritzei Hashem Elokeinu. Oops, I'm on Shema. I'm on a Shabbos. The Shema is the same, but the Shema Nesra is really not. Actually, Ritzei is... Desire Hashem, your nation Israel, and their prayers. And return the avoda, the service, the temple service, to the temple. The Ishe Yisrael, and the fires of the Jewish people. And their prayers. With love. May you accept with, with desire. And may it always be desirable to you, Avodas Yisrael Amecha, the service of your nation Israel. And now that you pointed out, that is a bit surprising to have that after we've just thanked him for, uh, after we've asked him to have pity on us and accept our prayers and listen to our prayers, and he listens to our prayers. So what, what are we asking him that's different? And why afterward? So he says, no, because this is Avoda. This is tefillah seyitzkadeh shmo yisbarach bevinyan amikdash v'avodas akarbanos. We're not asking it. We're not saying here shma koleinu. We're not saying, please grant us this other bracha. Here, please give us this other tool. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, 
We want your name to be sanctified. Because that's, that's the ritzay. That's the desirability. That's the reach nichoach, right? And that will only be fully achieved when the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt and there are karbonos going on in there. That's v'hashe v'sa'ovoda lidvir v'secha. And tfilasam be'ava, he turns it around, he says, he punctuates it differently from the sitter. Okay. I read it as, ve'ishe Yisrael usfilasam, the fires that the Jewish people bring, like in the Karbanos, Utzvilasam and their prayers, Be'ahava sekabel baratzon. With love, you should receive them with will or desire. This is not. Ve'ishe Yisrael, the fires of the Jewish people, Utzvilasam be'ahava, and their prayers that are with love, sekabel baratzon. You should accept with will. It's not the same. Utzvilasam be'ahava. Perish, meaning the prayer that is with love. Do you hear how we came back around to Shema? Right? What are we talking about what, in this sentence? If you will listen to the mitzvahs which I command you today, to love Hashem your God, okay. what does it mean that a prayer is with love? It's not for me. It's for you. What's love? Right? We've said it a million times. What's important to you is important to me. This isn't important to me because of me. This is important to me because of you. Here's what I'm asking because I love you, because it's important to you, not because it's important to me. Shema Kalinu, maybe that was because it was important to me. Ritzay, I'm talking about what's important to Hashem. I want it to be desirable to Him. I want Him to love it. That's the Heinrich, okay. That's like what we say in, it comes up in the, in the hollow, in the full hollow, lo lanu Hashem, lo lanu ki l'shimcha ki tame kavod. Not, lo lanu Hashem, not for us Hashem, lo lanu, not for us, ki l'shimcha tame kavod. Give glory to your name. It's the same idea. In the Midrash in Tehillim, Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi b'shem Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoy. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi taught in the name of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yar. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi taught in the name of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yar. Why is it that sometimes Jewish people daven in this world and are not answered? They don't get what they ask for. It's because they don't know the Shem HaMefarish. They don't know God's explicit name. If they only knew the magic word, they'd get what they wanted. No, it's, it's not, right? We know that's not what it means. So what kind of statement is that? Well, we don't do it for Kiddush Hashem. We don't ask for Kiddush Hashem. Yeah, and this is similar to the Psikta I shall raise him up because he knows my name. He will call to me and I will answer him. That's what that Pasuk sounds like also. That Hashem says, I will raise this person up because he knows my name. The person who knows my name, when he calls to me, I will answer him. So he says, I heard from, and I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. He says, Rav Michal Hakoin Farschlager. I'm not sure I said the last name correctly. 
שבשעה שהקדוש ברוך הוא שומע תפילת עמו ישראל, that at the time, at the moment that Hashem hears the prayers of his nation Israel, ומצמיח להם ישועה, and sprouts for them <coughs> salvation, he makes it begin to grow, אז מסגד הוא מסגד לשמו בעולם. That that salvation, the sprouting and developing of salvation for the Jewish people, causes an amplification, a, a greatness, and a sanctification of Hashem's name in the world. Because again, what's God's name in the world? This is how we describe his interaction with the world. When he saves us, people point and say, look, Hashem saved his people. Shiroim ayin be'ayin, because then people see ayin be'ayin, like with their own eyes. She'one l'chol asher yikra'u ve'emes, that Hashem answers all who call to him in truthfulness. Therefore, when a person spills out his soul in prayer to God, tzarich ha'adam l'chavein, a person must have the intention, he has to focus when you're, when you're really, and it's interesting because it's exactly when you're really pouring your guts out, right? What you want to do is direct your mind, that the root and the basis of your prayers, it should be that through the fact that you will receive and lift up a bracha from Hashem, through this, God's glory will be made greater in the world. That when a person is praying because they have needs, then what we want to do is, is bring ourselves to a level where we can say, Hashem, not here's what I need. It's that please give me this in order that through my having it and using it, and living with it, I will be zoche to bring greatness to your name in the world. This is the explanation of, well, they don't know Hashem's name. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, right, saying in the name of Rabbi Pilchas ben Yaro, why do people daven and not get what they've asked for? Because they don't know Hashem's explicit name. Enam yodim shetzrichim lehispalo. What do they not know? What is it we don't know? What have we been missing? What we don't understand, what we haven't realized when we daven is that what we need to daven for, really, yeah, there's different details, there's different categories of what you're davening for. But it's really just like all those different roles in our mission in life. It's unified under one umbrella of dedicating our lives to Hashem. So that's what our prayers are. We do, we daven for a lot of different things, but there is also one overarching umbrella that really all those prayers must come under and serve, which is davening that Hashem's name be made great and sanctified, His holy name in this world. <coughs> Through the fact that it becomes apparent when we daven and He gives it to us, it becomes apparent, and again, it could be us in our own space. It doesn't have to be in the public. Somehow, the fact that it fills the world just in the space I'm in makes the world different. What, what becomes apparent? Hashem answers those who hope to him. 
And perhaps this is why at the end of Shemona Esrei we conclude by saying, please do this for your name. We ask Hashem, do it for your sake, not not for our sake. That's what it means to ask Hashem for his sake. It, it only requires being able to align your entire life's mission and all of your desires with his will. So it's no small avoda, it's a big avoda. But on the other hand, it's an unbelievably gratifying avoda. I saw a quote, you know who Charles Harari is? He does videos for H.com, really powerful videos. So there was a great quote from him that somebody sent to me, which was, there are the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. I don't know who posted it on Facebook yesterday. Michael Green posted it on Twitter. You know, he's not on Facebook. Okay, this is, I mean, this is the avoda, but it's also the only avoda worth doing. Because everything else then depends upon that. Everything we do, everything we pray, everything we think, it all really is all around this idea. Which will sound familiar to you as Rav Hirsch's definition of Baruch, May your will be implemented through me. That that's, right, that was his whole conversation. You're asking, why are you asking? Why should you be answered and other people not? This is a very similar idea. Okay. And um, next week we'll continue with V'hayayim Shamat And maybe even move on to the next verse as well. Okay. I'm going to leave this open. Let's see, I somehow did manage to get the copies into the notebook. Mm, love you. Cute little monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. I'll be your monkey any day. <laughs> Frog. Sitting on a log. You're a monkey, you're a frog. I'm sitting on a log. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good thing you taught me the secret language. So I know what you're talking about. See? Would you have known that monkey? Yeah. The secret code for frog sitting on a log. There's a secret code for I love you. Remember Rabbi Kellen giving an image of, you know, some kind of a And if you don't plug it into reality, do you remember this? That he said, Kelsey? It's like if we don't plug into Hashem's will, there's no, we don't have the power. Right. Not into no reality, right. where it's just like, right. you can have your will, but it's just not. It's just disconnected from any, any source. Uh, any, any power, and you just, you can't live your life without any reality. Wow. Oh.